Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. After six feature films, a dozen CDs, and 27 years on the road, Bright Blue Gorilla has plenty of entertaining stories to share. Producer Robin Rosencrantz and director Michael Glover have been charming audiences around the world since 1990 when they quit their L.A. job, sold everything they had except their guitars, and bought one-way tickets to Europe. They're still going strong. And Carol, their film, Mr. Rudolfo's Jubilee, is sponsored by From the Heart, right? Yes, they are, and we're very proud of this film. So thanks, Robin and Michael, for joining us. We're glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Okay, well, what we want to do today is cover what happens to filmmaking when artists run the show and blend the roles of art and successful business to make films. So tell us. The lunatics running the insane asylum, that's what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. Well, tell us the story behind Bright Blue Gorilla. How did you two meet? Well, Michael and I met at a music club in Los Angeles back in 1989. And as you know, before we were making films, we started as musicians. So you might have heard of the Coconut Teaser. It was a club on Sunset and Laurel Canyon. Well, downstairs was an acoustic room called the 8121, where all the singer-songwriters hung out. So Michael and I were both performing that night. And we met each other. We ended up getting together, writing a love song. Uh oh. <laughs> and you know what happens when you write a love song, right? You fall in love. That's right. So we wrote a song, and then a year later, we—that was when we decided to quit our jobs in L.A. And you know, as you said, we sold everything we had, bought one-way tickets to Amsterdam because we knew one guy living there. And our dream was to travel and play music and, you know, just to see what would happen. And we've been going ever since. My gosh. And so you, did, you didn't have family or friends across Europe to support you or money and savings to take care of you or you just went out well, there Well, you know, there was a Swiss bank account. We have, we have <laughs> barons and, and contessas around the world. But aside from that, no, it was just a – no, I'm totally kidding. We had like $500 in our pockets, and we got on the plane, and we were totally crazy. And we went there, started playing in the streets and performing in little cafes. And really quickly, within two years, we had a, a record deal with Virgin Records in, in Holland. So it was really quite amazing. You got a record deal within two years, starting playing on the street? Yeah, it, I mean, we'd been in L.A. for, I mean, I'd been here for years and years and years just trying to get a deal. And then we go over there, and a, a friend of ours, a new friend, owned a record, uh, a recording studio, said, hey, why don't you come in and make a couple of songs just for fun? So Robin sent the tape off to, like, 20 record labels, and then Virgin Records, uh, a subsidiary of them, one of their sub-labels, said, hey, we love your stuff, what's the deal? And so we did two records with those guys. Yeah, it was was amazing. 
it was, you know, it was different because in, in uh, the Netherlands, I was able to get, you know, the head of the record company's phone numbers and actually call them at home. <laughs> And they would answer the phone, and you could talk yeah, to them. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable compared to L.A., how, how uh, accessible everybody was and how friendly. It was very nice. Oh, that sounds great. Well, um, I have to tell you, I just uh, got on your website, brightbluegorilla.com, and I saw the trailer for your film, and which is excellent. I have to tell you, I see thousands of trailers a year, so I really enjoyed the trailer. It's exciting. It's enticing. But what I really fell in love with was a group of episodes that you put on there about a life on the set is one I saw. These are brilliantly <laughs> okay. edited. The, the 1940s, they, they look like government films, you know, in the black and white. And then you edited them just perfectly into color. And you would take the color off. And the first it would the edit would start with black and white in the current day. And then it would turn to color. And it was just such uh, brilliant, creative work. Who's, whose well, idea you. and you how know, did I, this I, happen? Yeah, well, basically, I you know I was an editor uh, for MTV a long time ago for the Osborne Show. I was the dailies editor, and that's where I started editing. I learned to edit there, and so. But I, I'm also a big fan of those old uh, informational films. You know, the ones they used to teach you about how to how to develop a personality and all these things from the 1950s and late 40s. All these civics uh, things. So I, I I I love to scroll through those on the art on the archive website. There's a great site called archive.org, which has all those things on there. Anyway, so I thought, well, I'll just cut together some old things and stick in some new, some stuff from our film, just for fun. I was just playing around, but I'm really glad you liked it. And, uh, you know, I just, the whole spirit of what we do is, you know, a little bit, there's, uh, there's always some comedy in everything we do. At least there's an undertone of ridiculousness in a in some way because that's kind of how I see life personally I see life as a comedy uh that very often people are afraid to laugh at you know it, it's it, it's just so ridiculous yeah. it, you can't how can you take it seriously even our current uh our current you know situation in the United States politically is is so ridiculous how can you not see that there's something going on there in the, in the, in the humor of yeah. oh you, you have, have to, laugh. to laugh otherwise you'll cry you right laugh, laugh or cry it's your choice no i do i laugh and my friends get all upset i say well but you know it is funny if you back up and look at it as pretend you were from outer space or something <laughs> you have to just laugh oh my god yeah, yeah. that's yes. great carol it's really a show you know and so that's, you know, part of what we try to do with our movies and music is, you know, lift people up, you know, because yes, life can yes. be so hard and so serious, and we want them to feel better when they leave the cinema or better when they leave one of our concerts. Oh, Just lighten things up please. a little bit. That's exactly why I go to the movies. When I do go, I want to be entertained, and uh, I want you to take me out of whatever area I'm living in, you know, I, in, in my mind. Whatever, if I'm, in, if I'm in fear, if I'm in anger, if I'm in poverty, wherever I am, and put me in an empowered state so I feel better. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. It's interesting because we've we've had a lot of comments about uh, that from our audience because our movies are made almost in the 1930s style of sort of 
it, you know, in the 1930s, it was so seriously bad. You know, people were literally <laughs> dying because of the poverty issues and all that. And yet, what did they see in the films? They saw beautiful people, romantic people, dancing, singing, heroic adventures. You know, that's what they they went into that cinema for an hour and a half or two hours, put their nickel down, and then they forgot their terrible troubles, and then they were able to come out and sort of face them in a little bit different mood. I think it was very big service, and we, we try to do that also with our films. We try to, you know, we try to have like that, like you said, a good time and a safe place to sort of leave your troubles for a couple hours and, yeah. and then, then come out a little bit refreshed. Well, good. Now tell us about your film, Mr. Rudolph's Jubilee. Yeah, Mr. Rodolfo's Jubilee is, is the story of a, a depressed Italian fashion designer who decides to kill himself. Now, it is a comedy, so everything goes wrong. He doesn't actually kill himself, but he tries. And everything goes right. Everything goes wrong. <laughs> and so, so he, yeah, so he, he, he uh, messes up the attempted suicide, and then he falls in with these unplugged, bohemian artists in berlin and they have they're so unplugged they have no television no internet no anything they, <laughs> they consciously unplug from the from the constant stream of information so they can focus on their art they're so unplugged they don't know who this guy is even though he's a very famous rich person so they think he's like a homeless guy because he's kind of beat up when they meet him they take him in and they they like him and so they sort of treat him like a human being again, ask him to do some work and do this and that. They don't treat him like a rich guy, a very special, perfect rich guy. They treat him like a normal human, and he slowly starts to come around, come back to life. That's the basic story. Oh, how wonderful. That sounds great. And that does Thanks. sound like a 1930. Uh, film with that kind of intent. Yeah, it's kind of a king and rags story. You know, there were a few uh -huh. of those at the, during that period. You know, what would happen if the king goes undercover, you know, goes around the and poses as a pauper? How would his life be and what would people do with him? It was, you know, so it was that kind of an experiment. It's also a, a romantic comedy and with a lot of music in it. And so we really, we really, I wanted to consciously mix a lot of styles together and just blend a bunch of genres and see how I could, how much I could blend genres and still have, you know, a, a real cohesive, fun film. And Michael, I wanted to say, you know, it also deals with the gentrification of Berlin, which is happening in a lot of no. cities all around the world, right? Yeah. I mean, in yeah. some ways, the gentrification, you know, lifts the city up, it brings business into the city. But it often pushes the artist out, and the rents, you know, go sky high, and then you have nothing but rich people living in the center of the city. So that's, you know, it's that definitely seems, a pros and cons there. It's happening all over the world, and it's even happening in Los Angeles, because my daughter-in-law had an acting studio for 25 years, the Law Studio on top of, uh, of a, on the top floor between first and second on La Brea. Now, she had a handshake deal with her landlord for 25 years. She was on a monthly basis, and I had said, you know, being a businesswoman, you've got to get a long-term lease. Oh, no, no, he'd never give me any harm. He'd always take care of me. Well, not when mm. somebody wants to double your rent. So Yeah, it, uh, it's happening a lot. Yeah, and that's why also I've noticed – we're in Europe a lot, and then we come home. I noticed pretty much overnight all the sandwiches became 16 or $17 in the, in the restaurant. <laughs> in Los Angeles, yeah. $24 salad at one of the places we like to go to. I was like, what the heck? 
It's because yeah. of the rents. You know, they've got to raise the prices. Exactly, and they and they did that to New York. They've done it to yeah, New York it, and it's a natural LA. lifestyle, and then it'll go bust again and then go down. Eventually, it'll collapse from the weight, and then it'll get you know cheaper. Hopefully, that's usually what happens. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, this uh, studio that trained um, some of the top actors. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Angelica Houston and on and on. Nice. It's now a high-end T-shirt hat, hat uh, gallery. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. boy. <laughs> That's a pity. Yeah. That's so difficult, L.A., isn't it? I mean, that is terrible. But this is what happens. The artists come. They go into a low-rent district. They bring the restaurants. They bring the people to see their art or the theater. And then shops and stores build up, and they're doing really well. And then someone says, oh, let's open a store over there, and let's kick these people out, and there you go. So, But you you guys are behind business. You are what brings business to the area yeah it's so interesting the, isn't it but but the, at least yeah. you know so all this is happening but still you know as artists you still find a way to do your art no matter what the Always. circumstances are yeah, yeah and, and there's going to be another there'll be another place that's the the new paris or the new berlin you know that there's always you know there's always some place that's not discovered yet and the artists usually get wind of it they talk to each other and then pretty soon you find, oh, most a lot of people are going to Prague or wherever, some, something like that. And then, then that sort of happens all over again. Yes, because you guys are courageous. You're courageous to leave your jobs and leave your home and family and go out there on the street and start playing and doing what you love. And that's why, that's why uh, we need to support artists and filmmakers. So I want to get back to the film now. Tell me about your award-winning German actress, uh, Christina Paul. Is that right? She um, yeah, played the Chris, leading Christiana role. Christina Paul, actually. Paul. She is an amazing um, German actress. And this is the first time we've actually had a, quote, movie star in, in uh, one of our films. Um, she just won the International Emmy. She was running against Judy Dench. And oh. uh, Dustin Hoffman actually won oh the gosh. Actor Award. And Christiana Paul won the Actress Award, which was pretty neat, right? That's helped the film a lot, actually. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, yes. so we, with our previous film, Go With Leflow, we shot that movie in Berlin. It's actually a romantic comedy in German and French. Anyway, so with Go With Laflow, we were at the Beijing International Film Festival, and Christiana Paul happened to be at the same festival with all these other uh, German directors and producers in a movie she was in. So we got to hang out uh, for almost a week in Beijing, getting to know her, and just a wonderful person. Uh, not only is she a great actress, but you know, very hardworking, loves to laugh a lot, which is very, very important uh, to us to have somebody really joyous around on set. But when we were casting Mr. Adolphus Jubilee, we were having a little trouble finding the role of Anya. And so I said to Michael, I said, hey, you know, Christiana Paul would be perfect. What, what, let's contact her. So we sent her the script, and she read it and loved it and said, yes, you know, I want to play the part. And it was amazing because, you know, she's so busy, but she happened to have a hole in her schedule in the summer, uh, just the time when we needed her, you know, on Mr. Rodolfo's Jubilee. So we were really uh, lucky to work with her on this film. 
That's great how things fall together for you. Well, the acting is strong in your movie, so tell us how you cast all those roles. Well, well, it, it, it start when we find when we find an actor or actress we like, uh, we we like to c- continue working with them if at all possible because it's then it becomes easier to work with each other if you already know each other. So for the Go with LaFleur, the previous film that Robin mentioned that was a romantic comedy we shot in Berlin, for that film, previous film, we met a lot of Berlin actors that we really became fond of. Uh, a lot of them are from the Berliner Ensemble, which is the theater started by Bertolt Brecht. And so they're fantastic actors. And we cast uh, a couple of them in Go With Flow. And as soon as they were cast, they told their friends at the theater. And their friends all said, hey, what about me? They got something for me? So we, we had a terrific group of just the, the, the best trained actors you can imagine uh, to do Go With Flow. And we, we, we used almost all of them again in Rodolfo. And, uh, and we, we also were fortunate to, to add a few new people that we didn't know and that we hadn't worked with in the film. But I like to write uh, roles for a specific actor if I know they're available, if it's someone that I, uh, that I know I'm going to work with and I like to work with. I find it quite easy uh, as a screenwriter to do that when I know the voice and the attitude of the actor that I'm writing for. So that's part of the process we like to do. Yeah, and pl- plus oh, in the yeah. casting process, um, we invite the actors you know, to come over to our production office or our apartment in Berlin, wherever we happen to be at the time, and spend time with us. You know, not only do we do camera tests and, and have them, you know, read the script, but we just hang out. We have tea. We get to know them. And it's really important to make sure, you know, not only are they great actors, but they have the right attitude. You know, do they love what they're doing? Do they really have a passion for it? And that really helps the atmosphere on set and helps things to go really smooth. And then we also um, have a lot of rehearsals with the actors. We film the rehearsals, you know, way before we get to set. So we really make sure that they are the right actors for the role. You know, some of our best directors use those tactics and have for for about 50 years, and you'll find some of those old films are still the best out there. Yeah, So well yeah, done. Right. Yeah, John Thanks. Ford was one. Lots of lots of great act, uh, directors enjoyed. Uh, they would definitely get the big houses and put everybody in one location if they could. That's what they wanted, so that everybody became yeah, friends. Yeah, I, I really prefer that. It becomes like a big sort of a family system, and it, it, it creates a, a supportive atmosphere where people feel safe to you know to really artistically go out there on a limb. It's nice. Yeah, they're comfortable around each other, so this is good. And it shows up in your film. So tell us about the Greek chorus in the film. Where did this idea come from? Well, basically, I wanted to, I wanted to have uh, characters that were uh, telling, the story, telling the story through song uh, p- mm-hmm. part of the time. And I thought they should also be invisible so the characters on stage don't see them. It creates a sort of a surreal element. And, you know, there's, it's the tradition in Greek theater to have the Greek chorus. It was a similar thing. They would, they would be looking directly at the audience and saying, I don't think he knows what's happening or something to the, <laughs> to the audience. And it would create right. a, a comic a pull at it. So we, we decided to, to put ourselves in there as Bright Blue Gorilla. So we're popping up throughout the film, uh, commenting on certain moments. And when there's a very serious moment or something, we'll pop up suddenly singing a, 
a funeral-like dirge, and, and it, it, it usually brings a nice laugh to the audience, um, these kind of things. So we just I wanted to play with the form, and fortunately it's been effective in the movie. Audiences really respond to that. Yeah, it was a big, a big experiment for us, but it was so much fun, so much fun to uh, play the Greek chorus in the film. And it was really neat because on set, while Michael and I were singing our song, you know, all the cast and crew hung out and, and loved to watch the musical moments, and it brought everybody together in another way. It was, uh, it was very special, um, very challenging to be the producer and director and be in the film this much, but it also um, let a lot of the pressure off. You know, it, was, it, was, it felt a lot of pressure when we had to get ready for the scene, but once we were sitting up there singing, because Michael and I are so used to singing together, you know, we've probably done over 3,000 concerts together. I, we lost More count now. But, oh, um, my gosh. We, just got, we got to just kind of let go the cameras rolling and, and do our thing that we're very comfortable doing. So it, w- it also gave me um, a lot of energy on set to have to perform on camera. It was fun. Oh, good, good. That's great. Well, um, your film was made totally outside the studio system, fully independent. So how did you manage the financing and the production? Well, well, this is our, Mr. Rodolfo's Jubilee is our sixth feature film. And we, up until, for the first five we really did self-financing. We would just, as a band, we would tour and make as much money doing concerts as possible. And then we would, when we started making movies, we started doing the same thing in cinemas, raising money with the previous film, raise as much as possible, and then we'd say, okay, we have this much money to work with, and then we'd go into the next picture. On the fifth film, that's where we met our current distributor and co-producer. They're called Under the Milky Way. They're a French company, fantastic company, of real they're great business people but they're also uh, artist friendly they're they're french and they really respect the arts in a sort of a different way if i may than a lot of americans it's not just business for them so they're they're a great combination of that and on the fifth film they distributed uh, go with the flow and had some success with it and they said to me uh, and Robin at lunch one time, uh, we were really getting along with them well. And they said, what's your next plan? What's your next picture? I told them. I told them what the budget would be. And they said, well, why don't we work together on that? So we decided to co-produce with them. They put up some money. We put up some money. And then for post-production, we needed to do a fundraiser. So that's when we went to the crowdfunding model and we got introduced to you. Oh, fantastic. And you did quite well. Tell us about your crowdfunding event. Sure. Well, it was the first time that we ever did a crowdfunding, so we really didn't know what to expect or how it would turn out. But we were so grateful uh, to meet you, Carol. You really, really helped guide us on that. Thank you. Sure, thank you. (laughs) But, um, you know, what we found, some of the most important things for crowdfunding is to really take your time. Don't rush it. To prepare in advance. I think we took like two months to prepare before we launched our Indiegogo crowdfunding. And, you know, just like making a movie, the pre-production is so important. You know, you've got to really take your time. And, you know, part of the preparing was really reaching out to family and friends around the world, supporters around the world. There are so many people out there that love the arts and want to help. And you just need to be comfortable enough to ask for help. You know, people want to take the journey with you. 
So it's really important to, to reach out to those people, ask for help, and, you know, you want to give them something special for helping you, um, not only being a part of the journey, but it's really important to come up with perks that um, that mean something to you. And I remember, Carol, we were talking about that, and, you know, you were telling us you really need to make the perks personal. Come up with something special, something unique that only you could do. And um, I remember one of, one of the perks we were talking about was, you know, um, stories and dinner with bright blue gorilla, you know, that yes, we could share yes. our interests with people, right? So yeah. that was one of the perks we did. And um, it was just, it was really, it's, it's uh, a lot of hard work, takes a lot of time, but it was so inspiring for us because we found that so many people around the world um, were so generous, and it just it just melted my heart. You know, every time a donation came in, it's like, wow, that person believes in what we're doing and wants to help us to keep on keeping on. It was just a great process, and um, we met a lot of new people through it, and it was great. Yeah, it really helped expand expand things and expand our uh, people that know about us. So. Uh, it was a, overall just a great experience. Yes, for marketing, well, I'm so glad you had a good experience because you both put your heart in it, and the key is uh, the devotion ahead of time. It is pre-production. It's like a movie. The better the pre-production, the more meticulous and the stronger your plans are, clearer, you know, where you're going and what you want to achieve, the better you'll be. So, um but, see, a lot of people will say to me, well, you know, I sent out an email and I haven't gotten anything back or I only got some, so much money. I said, well, you have to send another one. Oh, I can't ask them again. Oh, of course you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they, everybody is waiting. They want to hear what's going on. And you, you have to realize you're giving them an opportunity to be part of something greater than they are, something wonderful. And and you weren't afraid of anything. You the wilder the ideas, the far out. You love that stuff. And uh, and see the good thing is, just like you said, when you see those donations coming in and they really touch your heart, you know you're being thanked for all the work you've done before now. All the work, all the fun that you've given people, and the joy is coming back to you in the form of energy, money, which will allow you to do something more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really neat. It was a it was a good process, and it, it is it is true that uh, it's look nothing worthwhile is really easy. Uh, sometimes you have an <laughs> easy moment just because of all the previous work, or just because the stars have aligned in some interesting way for a moment. But most of the time, it's just plain old hard. You know, it's just sweat. You know, putting putting the time and energy and thought into something. And the same thing with this. We found you know we had to really stay on it. And I think we did it for a month or something, and, and it was just pretty much every day, all you know, all day we're we're answering questions, we're emailing, we're sending out things. I kept making, I kept making a series of graphics that were since we're bright blue gorilla. I was using old images from from Mighty Joe Young, the the gorilla yes. movie from the 30s, <laughs> and I was making funny sort of things to send out, and that we were getting great response with that stuff. It was basically you have to have a good time with it. You have to make it fun, and you have to be committed to really working hard on it. Then I think you can have a successful campaign. Yeah, and not be afraid to ask for help. You know, a lot of people have to, have to get over that. It's like I like to help people. When people have a good idea, when people come to me, it feels good to help people. 
You know, yes. it's, it's a beautiful uh, energy exchange. And a lot of people are just afraid to ask for help or they don't feel worthy. You know, there's, there's so many issues. So um, it really expands your heart, expands your mind. And, you know, you, ha- you have to get comfortable with it. But with practice, I think everyone can do it. Yes, they can. And thank you for those tips. They're, they're great. Well, I, I want to know uh, how the film is in German, Italian, and English. So why did you, why the multi-language format? Yeah, I, uh, since Robin and I have spent so many years traveling the world, you know, we, we hear other languages most of the time. Uh, English is still the common language spoken in most countries when, when, when there are, uh, you know, more than one uh, language being spoken. It's usually English is the one that brings it together. And, but also, I, I wanted it to be realistic in a way. As a, even as a kid, when I was watching a war movie from World War II or something with my brother, and the two German commanders were speaking English, I'm like, I'd ask my brother, why are they speaking English? Aren't they in Germany? You know, I, even as a kid, I didn't understand that. So I, I, always, I always feel like it has to make sense. If there, if there are two Italians alone together why are they speaking english so you know those scenes it would be you know in in the language they would actually speak the other ones uh when there's someone from france germany italy well they would actually speak english because that's what what actually normally happens so so i mixed up the languages a lot and uh, we, we subtitle of course the the scenes that are that are in uh, another language i also find it interesting as a director to direct in another language I write the scripts in English, and then we have a, a writer change it into the, the native language. And then when I'm directing, all the actors speak English, so I'm able to talk to them in English. But then when they're doing their scene in the native language, I have a script supervisor standing there who speaks that language, watching every line and make sure they do it as written, because I would not be able to hear if they dropped a word or two. So I want to make sure each performance, each take is the same. I'm not missing any information. So that's important. But other than that, I look for body language, energy, status they're playing. What's the, do, is it believable to me how they're doing it? These kind of things. And that's, frankly, that's most of communication is nonverbal. It, it, oh, it's so tone, true. It's, it's energy, isn't it? Yeah. Because so, yeah, if is. somebody says to you, oh, no, I had a great time, thank you, you know, you kind of, you kind of go, well, maybe they didn't have a good time, you know. Yeah, you it's know. not the words, it's 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 the tones, it's their body language. Yeah, and, you know, Michael, um, I was just thinking while you were talking about the language, Carol, we had almost 300 people from 36 countries involved in Mr. Rodolfo's Jubilee. So yeah. it was a real mix of so many different nationalities, and it was so beautiful to see everybody getting along. You know, it's like if we can do it, why can't the rest of the world do it? Yeah, that was very nice. Exactly. Yes. Uh, well stated. So, um, so let me ask you, as far as distribution, w- is the film going to be distributed in Germany, Italy, uh, England, all the countries that the with the multi-language yes, format? Yes. Yes. Everywhere, because of Under the Milky Way, we're going to have the VOD distribution primarily. Uh, on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, all that stuff, and probably Netflix. They're they're actually talking uh, under the Milky Way is talking to Netflix about this picture in the coming weeks. Uh, Netflix did uh, pick up Go with the Flow, 
our previous films, so that's really good. And we hope they'll also pick up Mr. Adolfo's Jubilee. But it will be released worldwide everywhere except the United States in July, and then it'll be released in America on all those platforms in September. That's and why yeah, so we're, is so we're that? very excited. The, yeah, the film's going to get seen, you know, which is pretty neat for an independent filmmaker. And, you know, another thing that Michael and I do, since we're also a band, is we take the movie around the world to art house cinemas, to music clubs, to festivals, and we play a concert. We talk to the audience about how we make the movies, and we watch the film with them and do a Q&A after and so we self-distribute, and we've also come up with a new way uh, to show the movie in between the cinemas and clubs. We do house concerts, pop-up cinema. So we travel with our own high-end projector, our own speakers, and we go to someone's living room, and all they need to do <laughs> is get a movie screen, friends, and popcorn, and it's a beautiful way to bring the community together and watch films together. So we really enjoy oh, that as well. Brilliant. You call it a pop-up concert? <laughs> pop-up, pop-up cinema. cinema. And it, cinema. sometimes pop-up those are the cinema. best shows because we do some bigger cinemas as well, you know, some proper legitimate cinemas, and sometimes they're big. Our premiere in Berlin uh, had 500 people in the cinema. It was quite a big event. But then in between those, we do these sometimes 30 or 40 people in, a, in someone's living room, and sometimes those little little things are, are the most fun because – you're you're right with the people sitting right there. You're you know you're you're you. The Q and A's are very lively yeah. at those. It's very nice. It's like a happening. It really reminds me of like the old the old time parlor performance where someone would play piano in the living room or something or read a poem <laughs> yes. or this kind of thing. It's kind of that. It's right. really fun. Oh right. Like the old salons where all the artists got exactly. together. Yes, exactly. And exactly, and and I think that's nice. You know, because a lot of filmmakers. The only ways their films can get seen are at film festivals. So we said, you know, we're going to take the matter into our own hands and create our own distribution. We don't need to wait around to get discovered by, you know, a a big promoter or a big studio. We're going to get the films out there and get people to see them. And I think any type of filmmaker can do that. Why not start touring living rooms? Well, the create funny, a pop-up cinema, the, the right? The funny thing of course, is, though, I love it. is by doing it ourselves for five films, we were discovered by pretty much a major distributor. Um, so <laughs> if, yeah, that's the thing. It, be, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Who could you discuss who this is? Yeah, under the Milky Way. I'm saying that's under, our, that's, oh, our I, that's how you found them over there, right? Yeah, they found us on the fifth film. They discovered our film well, through it through another person, and they they discovered that it was it did pretty well when they released it, and so they thought, hey, these guys are okay. Uh, and they said, what else you got going on? So, that's so how we and met they're, them. they're they're doing the U.S. distribution. They've got worldwide rights. Then they're doing worldwide distribution on VOD and 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 you know the the video on demand and those kind of platforms. And we're we're handling some cinema stuff. But frankly and truly, I think a lot of filmmakers will know, um, cinema releases are not just not really profitable. You know, even the major for every cinema you do, if you're going to properly release it, you have to invest a few or several thousand dollars in every cinema to make it for print media, for advertising, for posters. For Otherwise, you're not going to have an empty cinema. 
And if you do a, a, a real cinema release of hundreds of cinemas, you're talking about quite a lot of money. So what we do is we tour with the movies like a band touring with a record. We do, we do one-nighters right. around the world with the, with, the, with the movie, doing a little concert in the cinema, then showing the movie, and then we're on to the next town. Now, yeah, and some cinemas might keep the movie on for an extra and, week and, or something. and keep playing it. Yeah, that's nice. Um, right? But yeah. I just think it's great how, you know, times have changed and, and people can start releasing the movies themselves. Oh, so I think it's pretty neat. It is neat, and it's more money for you, but it takes creativity, and you have to be, be a pioneer and get out there and make it happen, just like you were talking earlier. And and now you know, we have it's really. It's, oh, go ahead, Carol. Sorry, I was going to say cinema on demand with Tug. Uh, if you have the rights to do your own self distribution, you might look into that. Yeah, we've looked into that before, and that could be fine. It's, uh, so we may do that at some point. Uh, sometimes it might make sense. But we, we're fortunate in that we've been touring the world for 27 years, and we have relationships with cinema owners around the world. So, you know, we, just by friends of ours, we can put our movie in over 100 cinemas around oh, the world because wonderful. we know the people that own them. So, it, but it took, took, you know, 27 years to develop that. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, your film is so brilliant. Can you give us some production tips, things that you did that you would recommend to filmmakers? Sure. I mean, like I was saying, you know, pre-production is really one of the most important things in making a film. Again, you know, really taking your time, time for rehearsals, time for location scouting. Camera tests and things. Yeah, Michael's really, really big on doing tests. And, you know, again, that ability uh, to be comfortable to ask for help, you know, to be able to walk around location scouting and walk into a place and say, hey, I'm an independent filmmaker. Here's my vision. Here's what I'm doing. We don't have a budget for locations. Can we come shoot in your place for free? You know, uh, is there a place, uh, a time when your place is closed? nighttime or the morning before you open there's always a way and there there's one principle that we discovered going along the way you either it's kind of like this you either have money or you have agreement because if if somebody likes what you're trying to do and you and they're inspired by your idea then they and they agree to let you shoot in their bar or their bowling alley then you have agreement if you if they don't know you at all, you can walk in and say, "Yeah, I'm Joe Big Shot, and I got ten thousand bucks, and I want to rent your bowling alley." Okay, you can throw money at it and get the same thing. But if you don't have the money, you got to have the person agree to do it. So what we found out is if you if you really just have a clear vision and you're able to articulate it to someone fairly quickly <laughs> then then a lot of times you'll say oh that's really cool yeah sure uh, how can i help and you'll say well we'd love to shoot a scene here well how can we do that they'll say well I, i'm too busy and but what can you do it after hours you know sure well, you know so you end up shooting in the middle of the night and you have a scene in a bowling alley and, or something and michael that goes along with you know one of the principles i'm sure that you know carol 
is tell everyone what you're doing once you're clear. Once you're clear on yes. what you're looking everyone, for. Right? And, and yeah. you put it out into the universe. And a lot of times you'll ask somebody like, um, hey, Sharon, do you um, know anybody that owns a restaurant? And she'll be like, no, I don't. Wait a minute. Actually, my cousin's brother owns a place um, in Malibu. You know? You just yeah. – it's and always yet, that way. It's everybody, like and you'll be surprised. Yeah, you'll be surprised at what comes. We found so many things in our lives that way just by telling everybody what we're doing. Even I remember in Berlin, you know, we're looking for a place to stay, and I was at the grocery store, and I think I asked the checker, and she's like, "Oh, actually, I know somebody that's renting an apartment." I mean, you, can, you <laughs> just ask everybody in your life. Yeah, you'll be yeah. surprised at what it's you find. So yeah, smart. It's, it's, a, it's a step by step. First, figure out what you're looking for, what you want. Second, tell everybody what you're looking for, what you want, and then follow up on it. And then you can usually manifest things that way. Be clear on what you want. See, when I ran my company, I sold motion picture film and videotape. So I was asked every day for free stuff. And I, so I have been teaching my filmmakers, get it on one page. Say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I've done such-and-such, I'm making this film, and this is what I need. On Thursday, the 17th of November, I want to shoot, uh, and I want to use your back door, and I want to see all your film cans or whatever, and I'll be in and out in three hours. That's it. That's all I want. Or I need 5,000 feet of film. Yeah, that sounds good. I think what you said also, the last part, what you said rings a bell, because one thing we found for long-term relationships, and that's what we we base our lives on is long-term relationships, is if you say you'll be in and out in three hours, be in and out in three hours. You know, yes. do what you say. Be real clear and do what you say. And then if you do that, then people have a good taste in their mouth about working with you, and they'll they'll show up again. In fact, on our, our this movie, we, we, we shot at a villa, an enormous Italian villa in the hills of Tuscany, which was, which was offered to us by the woman that owns it when she heard about our project. And we shot there, and we just uh, did a, a, a screening of the film at her villa a, a few months ago when we were on tour. And she said she loved the film and said, hey, why don't you shoot another movie here? You guys are always <laughs> welcome to come back. Oh, so we wonderful. got invited back. That was pretty yes. neat. And she, didn't, she doesn't speak any yeah. English either. You know, our friend oh. was translating in Italian, and she's just a, a beautiful person. And she just loves the spirit of how we make the movies. And um, I just know for all the creative artists out there and filmmakers out there, if you just ask for help and develop the relationships and keep in touch with people, um, you will be very blessed with support in your life. Yeah, I, let me just add yes. one one thing Good about job. this because I think I think it's really important if you're a filmmaker particularly, you've got to have a repeatable model. It's not, it's probably not going to be one picture that knocks you on the charts and gets you on the radar. It's maybe four pictures, it may be three, it may be five or ten. You have to have a repeatable model. So you don't mortgage your house to go make your first picture because chances are the first picture is not really going to do much you know you really plan it carefully and plan for a long-term strategy on a repeatable plan on making 10 pictures and and if you can do that if you can repeat the formula again and again you absolutely will have a career otherwise you may just be like one of the many directors i know that have been burned out and destroyed by 
two a two big project that they they mortgaged their house and they they leveraged every uh, relationship they have t- to make it happen. Uh, you got to be, I think, think long term. Think long term. That's great. Good idea. Now, uh, tell us what's next. What are you two up to? Well, we're going back on tour with Rodolfo uh, in Europe, starting in in the fall. We're going there, and then. Uh, in the first of the year, we're going to Australia and New Zealand for the first time. We're going to take the movie there. And we're in pre-production for the next film already. Film number seven. Film number seven. So we're, going to, we're probably going to kick off the shoot uh, maybe in Australia after the touring and so on. We're trying to work out the logistics. But the next movie is basically just loosely defined as a spy comedy so um, it'll be a globe-trotting picture where we're going all over the place to, you know, the sort of James Bond-like settings and shooting certain scenes. So that's the general idea. Oh, that'll be fun. But I have a lot of friends in the South Island of New Zealand, so if you know you're going to end up there, you have to let me know because you would oh, love it. Oh, well, we are. We are gonna, actually, we are going to go. One of our main actors in, in Mr. Rodolfo's Jubilee, Stig Eldred, is a, an actor and musician in New Zealand, so we're certainly going to go there. Okay, That's great, good. Carol. Yes, yeah, and then this, this summer, you know, we're in L.A., and we're um, doing some touring, local touring here, doing some uh, house concerts, pop-up cinema. So if anybody wants to come to one of our shows in Los Angeles, they can just go to our website, you know, brightbluegorilla.com, and all our tour dates are there. Or if someone wants us to come to their living room, they can send us an email, and we can talk about it. Oh, that's great. Now, uh, what about your email address? What's that? Is it on the Bright it's, Blue it's all, Gorilla? It's on the website, but it's bbg at brightbluegorilla.com. BBG at brightbluegorilla.com. Okay, That's this it, yeah. is fantastic. What what a fun thing that would do that would be for people to have house parties this summer. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. They, they can be really nice as long as uh, it, you know, as long as everybody's in a good mood and ready to to go. It can be terrific. Yes, because it is a fun movie. You're going to have a good time regardless of what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and you know, well, people can mm-hmm. actually, Carol, our last movie, as we were saying, Go With LaFleur, is on mm-hmm. Netflix in the USA. So if anybody has Netflix, we hope that they'll check that movie out. And then, of course, it's also on iTunes and Amazon and all that. So all your listeners around the world can see it. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of fun stuff, behind the scenes stuff on our on our website as well. Oh, I bet I bet that would be great. I'll have to go back to the website and look for that. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I hope you'll join us again next year when you, you're back from your tours and you're in the midst of your number seven spy comedy. Sounds great. Sounds great, Carol. We certainly will. Thank you. Thanks okay. so much for having us. It was really very inspiring talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. We are so proud of the work you've done. Well done. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Take good care. And your energy is your, your yes, indeed. And and your positive energy is very contagious. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Take care. All right. Bye. Be well. Okay. Bye. Bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask 
for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com.